0: Praise the Lord. Our reading this morning will be taken from Book of Philippians, chapter 4, from verse 1 to 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, dear, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, see my microphone's on. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. With those great words, we started our journey through the letter of Philippians six weeks ago. And over that time, we've seen God's grace played out in many different ways throughout that letter. However, we have had a bit of a break uh, for the last couple of weeks uh, with Remembrance Sunday and Safeguarding Sunday. And so I'm going to start today with a little bit of a reminder of what we've seen so far in Philippians. All the previous talks are available on the Vine YouTube channel or on the podcast. So if you've missed any parts or need a reminder of them, I do strongly encourage you to go back and to listen to them. So, six weeks ago, I started this series by looking at the first chapter of um, uh, Paul's, uh, uh, Paul's genuine joy and thankfulness when he thinks about his fellow believers. And I was challenged by this to consider how my own reactions to Christians I know measure up to the deep outpouring of joy and prayer that Paul had. After that, Tina looked in the second half of that first chapter and the way Paul is able to rejoice in the Lord in all circumstances. Indeed, that encouragement to rejoice is found repeatedly throughout the whole of the letter. And Tina encouraged us at those, uh, at the, that at those times when we are struggling, when we feel most in need of God and turn to him, that is when we see him more clearly and where we grow in our faith and trust in him. And then Andy went on to chapter 2 to answer the question, who is Jesus? Jesus is God, but came to us as a servant or even a slave and was then exalted to be king, not despite of his suffering and death, but because of it. And Andy encouraged us to think about how we serve others. Are we looking to be praised for our achievements or genuinely seeking after the well-being others. Then finally, a couple of weeks ago, Will led us through chapter 3 and asked where we put our confidence. Is our confidence found in our power, in numbers, in the praise we receive, or do we rejoice in the Lord? So we've seen a letter that's full of encouragement. It is unusual among the letters we have in the New Testament in that it has not been written to address a particular concern or to challenge the Philippians on something they were doing wrong. Instead, it's a letter of thanks for what they are already doing and encouragement to keep on doing it more and more. However, I don't think it means it's completely free of challenge to us. As I hope we will see when we look through the passage we had today in the fourth and final chapter of this letter to the Philippians. So we started today with Paul's encouragement for two women, Euodia and Syntyche, to come to an agreement in the Lord, and for others around them to support them in this. Now, as far as I'm aware, we don't know the nature of this disagreement between these two women, or indeed, how or if it was ever actually resolved. I do take an awful lot of comfort in the very human reality being expressed here. Whatever the exact details, and despite the praise and thankfulness Paul has already shown for these believers, they were clearly not perfect and did need to be reminded to work through their differences together and find agreement in the Lord. And then Paul moves on to make a number of statements that echo much of what has already been written in the letter. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. that has been a constant refrain throughout the letter. And it's clearly something that Paul doesn't think he can say too many times. I think it is something that should mark us out above all others as believers. That at all times and in all places, we are able to rejoice in the Lord. Not that we are always happy or putting on a brave face, not that we ignore the trials and sufferings around us, but that we have confidence that in all things, God is ultimately in charge. Indeed, just a verse later, he goes on to remind us to not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I've heard it said that if we are able to worry about things that are facing us, turning them over and over in our mind, leading us down and down and down in an endless spiral, then we can also pray about these same things. Turning our thoughts not inwards and downwards, but upwards to God who hears our cries, who has walked among us and knows intimately the worst the world can do to us paul assures us that when we do this the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in christ jesus i'm just going to pause from it there with those words on the screen and let this sink in because i don't think i can put it any better than paul has already done Now, there is so much packed into these few verses, we could spend a great deal of time with them. Indeed, I'd encourage you that when you go home today, or this evening, or during this week, to come back to these verses and just quietly sit with them. However, there are a couple more verses in today's passage that I'd like to focus on for the rest of the time I'm speaking this morning. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. As I've been preparing over the last few weeks by repeatedly listening to or reading this passage, this is the verse that's been most jumping out at me. It's made me wonder... What are the things that I think about, that I fill my head with? Are they true, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent and praiseworthy? So I want to turn this back to you to consider what are the thoughts that fill your head each week? Now I'm sure many of the things that we spend our time thinking about are the simple realities of everyday life preparing for and undertaking our jobs for those who are in paid employment. The work needed to keep our houses clean, bills paid and meals cooked each day. The arrangements needed to get ourselves and our families where we need to be, at the time we need to be there and hopefully with everything we need to have with us. But even within such mundane thoughts, I wonder if there's space for truth, nobility, excellence Is there a place to appreciate God's provision in the work we do with our hands and in the words we speak to others as we seek to be good stewards of the resources and talents that he has given us? I've also been wondering about how we spend our free time. What are the thoughts and ideas we fill our heads with when we are seeking entertainment and relaxation? Now, before I'm going any further, I want to... I'm not about to start advocating that we all get into a Christian ghetto where we cut ourselves off from the world and insisting only on uh, only consuming Christian books watching only Christian films and uh, TV series listening only to Christian music. For one, there is a question of how often such safe Christian media quickly ends up molding itself to the prevailing consumerist culture of the world around us. Simply painting a sort of Christian veneer over the top in order to reach a different market segment. However, my main concern is that Jesus calls us in John chapter 17 to be sent into the world, to engage with people where they are and engage with culture as we find it. And I don't believe this, we can actually do that if we hold ourselves completely cut off and separate. I also wonder... If when Paul talks about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, he's not just talking about those things that have received the official Christian stamp of approval. This is the same Paul who wrote in Romans chapter 1 that God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen, um, are being understood from what has been made. All of creation was made at God's hand. And whilst corrupted by our sinfulness, everything we see that demonstrates truth, purity, excellence and praiseworthiness praiseworthiness, is ultimately given to us by God. However, I'm also reminded of Jesus' word in Luke chapter 11. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eyes are healthy, the whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. What we spend our time looking at, what we spend our time thinking about, affects who we are. And that matters to God. So what are the stories and worldviews that we are choosing to absorb on a daily basis? That violent struggle is the way to achieve peace and justice. That romantic love is the only way to achieve happiness and fulfilment. That if we strive hard enough, in all our strength, all our dreams will come true. That if we only manage to buy this or achieve that, then our lives will be complete. Stories about the righteousness of struggles for justice against corrupt powers whether we personally identify those corrupt powers with the extremes of the political left or right. Stories that revel in violence and destruction. Stories that draw us to impossible standards of physical human athleticism or beauty. All of these stories are woven through the books, films, music, computer games that we are consuming on a daily basis. Woven together with much that also... Reflects godly truth, purity, and excellence. So I'm challenged myself to seek God's discernment in this, challenged to fill my mind more each day with God's word so as to be better able to judge between the other things that come my way and decide which I should and should not be spending my time thinking about. There's one final verse in the passage we read today, and this is what I'd like to look at just before we finish. In verse 9 of chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now I want to emphasise those words in the middle there. Put it into practice. When i started this morning i gave an overview of what we covered during this series on philippians joy and thankfulness for believers rejoicing in the lord in all circumstances jesus god servant and king having confidence in the law and now today whatever is true whatever is noble, whatever is right think on these things so if there's been anything today or in this series that particularly struck you, or that God is clearly speaking to you, then do not treat it as simply something nice to think about. Instead, I encourage you to think practically about what you need to change, to put into practice in order to respond to that calling. And I want to pray with Paul that in whatever you choose to do next that the God of peace will be with you. Amen.